I've had people call me up and tell me they've had a dog for nine months and the dog is still having accidents in the house. So this is a subject that clearly trips people up. Let's clarify this and make this as simple as possible. Welcome to Don't Throw Out the Dog, a podcast to dive into the behaviors of your dog to help you understand what they mean, how they're feeling, and what they're trying to say. It's education and knowledge for a closer connection, bringing your best friend even closer. Now your host, Armando Morales. Hey everyone, welcome back. It is Armando Morales. We are here on episode 11 of Don't Throw Out the Dog. If you are joining me for the first time, thank you for doing so. I hope that I can provide you some value and that you're able to gain some kind of insight as to how your dog functions and maybe create a plan of sorts with the information that I give you that'll help simplify your life with your dog. And if you've been sticking around with me from the very beginning, then what can I say? I'm extremely grateful. I got a lot of gratitude for most of you people who stick around for quite some time. Very much appreciative of, of you doing so. Because, listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I really do. So I've said this before. I've mentioned it, how I listen to them at speed and a half. I think it's one and a half. Speed is what you refer to it. So it just sounds like one big blur. But I focus on what's really being said. And I do pick up on the information. It's just that I listen to so many that I have to go at it at a faster clip. So not every podcast is great. Some are fantastic. Some are mediocre. So if you're sticking around with me at this junction so far, then I greatly appreciate it because it kind of tells me that you're picking up on something that you like. And I really like that. I appreciate it. And I've said appreciate it so many times. So anyway, you know what I was thinking about is one of the things that I think I should be focusing on or at least share during these podcasts is some of the stories of some of the dogs that come to me or that I've run across. Either they're doing a board and train with me or I'm doing some kind of private lessons with them and their family. But I think if I shared some of these stories that they'll be helpful in some way. In some manner, you'll be able to draw comparisons between the issues that I'm dealing with with many of these dogs and some of the issues that you may be dealing with with yours at your home. I don't come across new issues. Let me just tell you, when I come across some some dog issue, when I'm speaking to some human who, who's telling me about their dog's challenges and problems, from their perspective, yeah, their issue is unique. But from mine, they're not. Chances are, by the time they get with the, done with their third sentence and describing what's going on with the dog, I've, I've already surmised a pretty good idea of what's going on. Because I've been through it so many times. And my point is that there's really no new original dog problems or issues. Uh, they're all pretty much the same. It's just a matter of severity and who created it. And how is it being allowed to go on? How is it being rewarded? So this week, or rather last week, I got a dog who came in for a board and train. And her name is Maggie. She's a, a lab mix of some kind. I want to say Lab Shepherd. She's black, beautiful little girl, uh, and she looks very much like the shepherd. She's got the body of a lab, the face and head of a shepherd. But Maggie came to me because she was dealing with some fear issues. And let me tell you, that's not an understatement. I, of course, many of the dogs that I deal with, their issues uh, stem from fear. So at the root of the issue, whether it's uh, aggression of some kind or other, right, or reactivity, 
there is always fear. There is always some level of insecurity. And the dog has learned to behave defensively in order to ward off that fear. That's pretty much standard with many of the dogs that I deal with that that are facing or struggling with fear issues. But this girl, this Maggie, is something else altogether. And the uniqueness of her issue is, first off, number one, is that the level of fear that she's dealing with, I have not come across another dog who, who deals with fear at this level. A general idea of, of some fearful dogs that I've taken in, because dogs who come to me for board and trains, many of them have been very fearful. Some of them have been very skittish. So they're a little reluctant to approach. Uh, to, they, they takes a little while to get uh, to know you. They, want, they take a little while to warm up. But this girl, I'm going on a week and a half. She's at the tail end of her two-week boarding train. And she is still a girl who does not come out of the crate unless I, I, I coax her. And I, the, the progress that we have made, and we have made progress. Let me tell you, we have made considerable progress. It's just been so, so slow. The game plan is, the overall goal is just to have her be a little more uh, welcoming to the world around her, less fearful, less, less, less hesitant to explore, because she is so withdrawn, so much into her fear that she is in constant twenty-four-seven avoidance mode. She will not go out and explore, and that's what fear does in general to everybody, right? The more fearful we are, the more insecure, the more lacking in confidence we are the less inclined we are to go out and give into our curiosity, right? To, to explore things. And that's just it. She doesn't give into her curiosity. She doesn't explore. She's, she will hunker down and, and, you know, tightly pack herself into a corner and she will sit there for some time if I let her. Uh, and on the rare occasion when she doesn't do that, when she doesn't find a place to just like, kind of shelter herself and coil herself down and there's continual pacing up and down up and down i mean literal up and down stairs walking side by side in the living room just pacing because it's just restlessness that is brought on by the anxiety and the insecurities like i don't know what to do with myself uh, i i don't know where to feel safe so she's an unusual case i have never had a dog who is fearful to this degree, this intensity. Now, here's the other, the second surprising thing about her is that there's no reactivity to her. Typically, with these kind of dogs who are so fearful to the degree that she is, they start to get defensive at some point. This is how reactivity begins, right? This is how aggression begins. I've said it in past episodes Aggression forms, well, in a variety of ways, but the two primary ways are frustration and fear. Fear, in fact, being at the top of that, above frustration. But this girl has no reactivity. She is the sweetest, the kindest little girl around. Not that she is affectionate. She, she, that, that requires courage to be affectionate, to want to cuddle, right? Uh, she, she doesn't have that kind of courageousness. It's too bold uh, of, of, of a thing for her. She won't do it. That, that level of engagement is, is, is 
too courageous. She won't do it. But the point is that there is no reactivity in her. She has not reached a point where she feels, I need to get defensive about the world around me. I need to defend myself to some point that I may need to resort to aggression. I need to give off warnings. I need to give off growls or I need to lunge at people to get them to get away from me, to stay away. She doesn't do that. None of that. She's been here like a week, almost a week and a half. I have not, I've yet to hear her bark. How does that translate to something that you can use for your fearful or insecure dog? How have I managed to turn her around? And, and I wouldn't say I've turned her around completely, but we've made some progress, maybe 40% of where I want to be out of 100. But we've made some progress. Uh, what's the progress? The progress is that I can get her out of the crate and she's not struggling to get right back into it. Uh, I can touch her and she won't exactly cringe or run away. Um, I can get close to her and she will remain by my side. None of which she did before, by the way. When I first met this girl, she kept her distance for quite some time. She wouldn't come near me. And that's the way it was essentially for the first two, three days with me. She doesn't do that any longer. So she's comfortable with me. But now also I have, I'm taking her out. We're doing long line work. I am teaching her a recall. She is coming to me when I call. Something she never did for her own owners. Her own humans, her parents, who she has lived with for over a year. She won't recall to them because she feels so insecure. She'll come up to a certain distance and then no further. So that's improvement. Like I'll call, I'll, we'll go outside and I'll call her to me and she will come to me. And then she will walk by my side. And then she will check in on me. And she will go out and she will explore different things. She'll smell this and she'll go over there. She'll smell that. She'll move ahead of me. She'll stay behind. She's responsive to me. Come over here. Let's go. Come. And she does all of it. None of which she could do before. So I've made significant progress with her. I am not where I feel she should be in order to live a better quality of life. By the way, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, by the way, Instagram is my name. It's Armando Morales 77. I chronicle all of this. You know, I, I, I video all of this. I, I've got a lot of information on her and you'll see her out there. If you're listening to this at some point down the road, you're going to have to go back into the archives to take a look at it. But it's there. You'll see her. And you'll see the pro progression because I, I videoed her very early on when she first arrived. And you'll see how she's progressed. When I, one, of the, one of the things that I remember about her coming in is that she had a tail that was so tightly tucked between her legs that with her black fur, you couldn't make out the tail. But now you can it's still hanging low and it's curving. There's no wagging tail. She's not that secure yet. There's no wagging tail. There's no overture of happiness yet. But the tail is out. I can make out a tail there. It's not so tightly tucked in as it was initially. So that, again, is progression for me. But anyway, that's the dog that I'm dealing with currently. Let's get on to the topic at hand. Today I want to talk briefly about housebreaking because this is something that does trip a lot of people up. They get confused. They think along the lines, I got to get in onto a, a routine of some kind and they get in onto a routine, but then they're missing a few other components 
things kind of go, they spiral out of control. The dog continues to have accidents. The humans get continuously frustrated. And this is why, as I said in the introduction, I may get a call nine months down the road and they're telling me my dog is still having accidents in the house. What's going on? So let's clarify this because I, I've done this for so many years and I have to tell so many different humans the same thing. So I'm going to give you my protocol, the procedure for getting your dog housebroken as quickly as you possibly can without having any kind of, well, not having, not, I was about to say not have any kind of accidents, but look, you should expect accidents if you have a puppy in the house. You should. You should expect a little poo or pee, he, pee there, right? So um, let's me let me give you exactly the method that I use to get dogs housebroken in as short a time as possible. Now, mind you, you're going to put in some work, okay? So if you're one of those people like, I, uh, I don't have the time for this, then don't get yourself a dog. I don't know what else to tell you, but you're going to have to put in some work. So let's, let's get some ground understanding of what it is that we're dealing with. In order for a dog to really be housebroken, he or she kind of needs to understand or know how to do two basic things. Number one, that dog needs to know exactly where they're going to go and do their business. Yes, your dog is probably going out on walks and just peeing here, peeing there, all over the place. And at some point, as the dog becomes housebroken and a little older, the dog can generalize the idea of, I, I go outdoors. But at first, you kind of want to narrow all of that and you want to make it very, very, very specific. So anyway, the point is that number one is the dog does need to have an understanding of where he is going to go and do his business. Number two, the second thing is that in order for a dog to be properly housebroken, the dog has to have some level of bladder control. And this is where crate training helps tremendously. So you can have one or the other and not both and still have accidents. And this just leads to you getting continuously ticked off. So in other words, you can have a dog who knows exactly where he is supposed to go because maybe you're taking him out on a regular basis. You're taking him out to that one spot. But he doesn't have the bladder control that he should. So he may be going out at certain intervals. You may be following this whole thing of I've got him on a routine. But again, because he doesn't know how to hold his bladder, he will continue to have accidents inside the house. And by bladder, I mean like, you know, pooing as well, not just peeing. Or the opposite is true also. You may have a dog who has very good bladder control. Maybe she spends a good deal of time inside the crate. She's learned that. But you're not. You're inconsistent with the amount of times that you're taking her out. You're not very clear or you're not making it clear to her in terms of where she is supposed to do her business. So because she's confused as to when she's going out or where, that bladder control eventually breaks down and she continues to have an accident, right? And this is part of what leads to a lot of frustration that I hear from humans is I'm doing the work. We are taking him out during these times. We're following a routine, but he's still having accidents. Chances are either your routine is nowhere near as good as you think it is or 
your dog doesn't have bladder control or the space that you are taking the dog to is just not being made clear to the dog. So let's clarify this. Let's make this very simple. I'm going to tell you step by step what you're going to do in order to get your dog housebroken. Okay. And by the way, clearly, if you got a puppy, you need to acclimate the puppy to the house and get the dog housebroken. But sometimes when you get an older dog into your house, you kind of need to break him or her into the routine as well. So it doesn't hurt to try and get on some kind of just that, some some kind of, you know, time schedule of sorts, some routine. So what is the first thing that we do with a puppy? Usually, and I'm not saying this is you, but usually what happens is we do the opposite of what we are supposed to do with a puppy. We get this puppy in, small, little, adorable thing. Everyone loves the, the puppy. Everyone does the opposite. They spoil the puppy. Instead of starting to give a foundation and a clear understanding of what the boundaries are, what the limitations are, what the rules are, what they do is they get very, very lax in the rules. They, they, they allow the puppy to push the boundaries. They give very little limitations to the dog. So what happens as the dog matures is that if nothing is put into place, in other words, if that dog is not giving that kind of guidance, if he is not shown this is what you do, this is not what what is allowed, then he basically learns, listen, these are the rules of the house. I figured them out. And you're not going to be happy of it. You may be happy with it when the dog is a puppy, but when the dog is now 50, 60 pounds larger, you get a little frustrated. And you're usually frustrated because of the issues that you allowed to go on when the dog was a puppy. So what does this have to do with housebreaking is that when we have a dog, a puppy, one of the first things we do when we are breaking all these rules is we give the puppy too much freedom. And what we should be doing is not giving that dog freedom until that dog has clearly demonstrated to us that it, he or she deserves the freedom. It's no different than a human, right? What, what do we do? Do you give your keys to your four-year-old? Uh, keys to the car to your four-year-old you don't right that would be foolish that makes no sense but you will at some point in the child's life right at some point in the child's life that child is going to learn how to drive you're probably going to give them keys to the car what makes the difference between here and 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 now and then rather what makes the difference between a four-year-old and a, and a 17-year-old well, the child has matured and the child has demonstrated to you that I can be responsible enough. I am making good choices. Puppies, when they are puppies, do not make good choices. They don't know how to make good choices. It is up to you to show them how to make good choices. And one thing that could lead to bad choices is giving the dog way too much freedom. And there is a good possibility that if you are having housebreaking issues, if you are struggling because your dog is continuing to have accidents, one of the pieces that you are missing is just that, limiting the dog's access to certain areas of the house or the amount of freedom that the dog has. You may be giving the dog too much freedom. So what you want to start doing is, number one, in, in the plan of going into a housebreaking mode, is you want to start restricting the dog's freedom. If you have that puppy who is allowed to go anywhere in the house or certain areas of the house where you are not directly supervising the dog, in other words, 
by supervising, I mean that dog should be within your line of vision. If you're, if you're having housebreaking issues, the dog is not fully housebroken, that dog should never, ever be outside of your line of vision. Okay? Think about that. And if he is outside of your line of vision, then he should be confined during that time. This is where crate training comes in handy. Now, uh, I, I talked about crate training, and, 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 you know, there are some people who are against crate training because they feel like the dog is in prison. I'm not going to get into the whole thing about that. I'm not going to address that. I'm just going to tell you that if that's how you think, you're wrong about it, and this it's going to hamper your abilities to kind of progress and make any kind of real uh, change with your dog's housebreaking issues. But crate training is fantastic because a dog who is properly crate trained, who is acclimated to the crate, provided that the crate is an appropriate size, the dog learns to how to hold his or her bladder. Dogs typically don't like to do their business where they sleep. This is why you don't want to have an, uh, a, a large crate. You don't want to have one that's just too accommodating for the dog. You don't. I think I said in the last episode, you don't want a dog to poop in the west wing and then go sleep in the east wing. It doesn't work that way. So it should be just big enough for the dog to comfortably roll around and lay down, and that's it. And I don't mean roll around. I mean just like, you know, turn around and lay down, and that's it. As the dog matures and gets larger in size, then you expand the size of the crate. But the crate is a very, very powerful tool for many different reasons. You're going to want a management tool at some point. That's a different conversation. That's one that I had last episode. But for our purposes right now is... You need to have that dog in a crate in order to help him get a sense of, you know, what it is to hold the bladder, right? And that becomes part of part of a, their learning curve and also limit their space because the more freedom you give the dog, the more opportunities that dog is going to have to have accidents inside your home and you don't want that. Okay, think about this. You've got to troubleshoot this. It, in many instances, when a dog has an accident inside the house during this process, they're usually doing it away from you where you're not seeing it, seeing them, whether that's intentional or not, and it may be both. It could be one or the other. The dog may intentionally be trying to hide from you, or he may not. You just may be missing him, may, missing him having an accident because you're not properly supervising him and because you're giving him too much freedom. So, going back, what you want to do is start restricting his freedom to the point where the dog is with you at all times until properly housebroken and sometimes when you don't have the ability to watch him, you crate him, okay? So, start utilizing the crate. Now, what you're going to do is this. Each time you need to take the dog out, you're going to start getting on a time schedule. Let's just say for the sake of argument, you're going to take him out every hour on the hour, okay? You're going to put him on a leash and you're going to walk him out to a designated spot in your whatever, in your backyard, your front yard, in, in wherever. Just take him outside to a designated spot. And that means that there, it is one spot, one location where you're going to take him Every single time until you are confident the dog is housebroken. 
And if it's more than one person who's taking the dog out, it's you. If it's your wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, if it's one of the kids, you, everyone has to be on the same page. Everyone has to know this is our spot. This is where we go and we take the puppy, right? So you're going to take that puppy and you're going to put him on a leash, make him walk. Some people carry the puppy. Unless it's a tiny, tiny, tiny thing, which it should not be, make him walk to that spot. And what you're going to do once you get there, you are going to make like a tree. In other words, don't walk around. Don't meander back and forth. Don't wait for the dog to do his business by just pacing to and fro so that the dog eventually figures out what he's supposed to do and does it. You have to understand puppies are highly given to distractions. They can get easily distracted. And there are all these different sights, all these different sounds and smells. The more you walk, the more opportunity you give the dog to give in to those distractions. He's going to be distracted already if he's a puppy. So don't open up those opportunities. Just be like a tree. You go to the designated spot and you stand still. Now, you're going to have a four or six foot leash. Do not take one of those little flexi leashes. Do not do that. That's just foolish for so many different reasons. I should do an episode on that alone. But for the purposes of housebreaking, again, you want to kind of minimize his world. You don't want to expand the puppy's world just yet until that puppy has proven to you, I can make good choices. You don't want a flexi leash where the dog can just roll with it and go wherever he wants. You want a four or six foot leash. And when you are standing there like a tree, you are going to give that dog the radius of the leash. In other words, allow him to go around. It doesn't matter if he tangles himself around your leg. Just untangle yourself. You're not going to trip over if you're not moving. Okay. And just let the dog figure out this is his space. Now, I happen to believe that you should cue your dog. You should teach your dog a cue for doing his business. I've got my dogs on cue. Now, <laughs> you can use a word like potty. I say pee-pee-poo-poo, okay? I know that sounds silly, but my dogs have figured it out. This is what I've taught them since they were puppies. When I say that, my dogs, if they need to go, they will pop a squat or he will lift his leg and they will pee. They know it. It's just conditioned within them. They know, oh, that's the cue. You want me to go. I got it. Okay. So I think it's a good idea that you start cueing your dog for doing his or her business. So again, you're taking them out on a leash, not a flexi leash, four or six foot leash. You're going to take them to a designated spot. You're going to make like a tree. You're not going to pace and move around back and forth. And then... You're going to give the dog the radius of that leash. Let him or her go around you if they want to. That's okay. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. They don't have to be in front of you. And then you're going to start to cue them. You're going to bring treats. Remember when I talked about treats in past episodes? Your criteria for treats are going to be small, very soft, and smelly. So make them high-value treats. You don't have to buy them. Whatever it is that you know your dog really, really loves. If you've got a super high motivated dog, okay, I guess some kibble can make do. But if not, then just get yourself something that's really high value. Keep them up at maybe shoulder length. Don't 
put them down where the dog is going to just get yet another distraction because he smells the food in your hand. So make sure that you bring it, but the dog is clueless as to whether you have treats or not. And now start giving the dog cue. Maybe you can say, go potty, go potty, go potty. Initially, at the onset, when you start doing this, your dog's not going to have any idea what you're saying. The dog's not going to have any idea what's going on. But remember what we said about how dogs learn through association. What's going to happen is when your dog does do his business, whatever that business is, whether it's one or two, you are going to mark it with a good, good, or yes, and then you're going to reinforce it, meaning that you're going to give the dog your treats, okay? Now, don't give him one treat. Give him like five or ten pieces, not at one time. Don't give him a fistful of those treats. Break it down. So the dog pees, for example, you mark it good. And then you immediately start de delivering like a Pez dispenser. The treats, one, two, three, four. In other words, your dog's going to think it's a jackpot. Again, you want to create that association. You pee out here, you make out like a bandit. That's what you want, okay? And in, in that case, what you're going to do, is having the dog done his business, you rewarded it, you're going to bring that dog inside Take the leash off. When you bring the dog inside, just because the dog has done his business, that does not mean that it's going to be free for all and you allow the dog to just have freedom all over the place. You do not. You are still restricting his world. So if that means that you confine him to one room, that's okay, but you're going to be in that room with him. Don't let him wander off into another room where you can't see him or upstairs, or downstairs, or anywhere else that you don't have that line of vision. Again, you're in training mode. And this is what it means to have a puppy and to housebreak him or her properly. Okay, So you're also going to stick with your time interval. So if you took him out, now, now that you know that you're on a one-hour interval, you're going to take him out again in another hour. Okay, Another option that you can do is put him in the crate until the other hour. Help him hold his, learn to hold his bladder. You don't have to, but if you want to, put him in the crate, okay? If you want to keep him outside, that's perfectly fine. However, if you find that the dog has an accident before the one-hour period, then what you're going to do is start narrowing down the time in other words, instead of taking him out an hour, every hour on the hour, what you're going to do now is take him, out, take him out every either 45 minutes or maybe every 30 minutes. You're going to be the judge based on how much business your dog dumped in your living room, right? So if it was just a little tinkle, then again, the dog is telling you, I don't have any bladder control. You're going to take the leash, put it right back on the dog, go out, Follow the same procedure, the same protocol, same designated spot with treats, cueing, give the radius of the leash, all that kind of stuff. And then you're going to bring the dog back in. Now the dog told you, I can't hold my bladder too well. So you're going to take that dog and you're going to put him inside the crate. And you're going to wait the 30 or 45 minutes and then take them out again. Does it sound harsh? Yeah. 
I could see why some people would think it sounds harsh that you're going to put the, the dog in the crate as frequently as you are. So, again, you're in housebreaking mode. And, again, you don't necessarily need to put the dog in the crate at all times. Just be aware that if something like this is happening, then your dog may need more time in the crate because he doesn't have any bladder control, right? And another thing, as a side note, if you've got pee pads in the house, some people do this. Some people confine the dog so they have like a little pen, right? A little play pen. And they say, well, I'm taking the dog every hour, every hour on the hour. And in between those hours, the dog is either with them in a certain space or when they can't supervise the dog directly, they put the dog in a pen. But the pen has pee pads. And what does the dog learn to do on the pee pads? Just pee on the floor. Which defeats the purpose of teaching your dog bladder control and going outdoors to a designated spot. So pee pads are not a good idea in this scenario if you're trying to, to really break the dog in. So get rid of the pee pads. And if you put your dog in a pen, which is not a bad idea, but he is continuing to have accidents in the pen as well, then you need to troubleshoot this, as I already said, and you've got two options. One is narrow down the time intervals that you're taking him out, and two, instead of giving him, putting him in the pen, put him in the crate, because what's happening is that the pen is proving to be too much freedom for him. And again, you're going to narrow down that freedom by putting him in the crate. The crate is going to teach him, I need to hold my bladder. Now, when you take the puppy out from the crate, what you're going to do is be smart about this. Know that you've got a puppy and you want to take him out to do his business. You're going to take him to that designated spot, right? So have the leash in hand ready before you open that crate door. In other words, don't open the crate door. Let the puppy out. Let the puppy wander around while you start searching for that leash. That is going to open up a window of opportunity for your puppy to do his or her business. You don't want that. You want to open up that crate, have that leash ready in hand, put it on your puppy immediately, okay, and just beeline it to the door, whatever door you're using to go outdoors to go to that designated spot. So it's a direct line, a direct path between the crate and whatever spot you've chosen. And that's what you want to do, okay? Because if you've got a puppy who's just learning to hold his bladder, the last thing that you want is get out of the crate and just let him meander about for a few minutes while I search for something. And oops, I had an accident. Don't do that. Be smart. Troubleshoot this, okay? This is the protocol, Pain in the rear? Yes, it is, but this is what you want. You want a housebroken puppy, okay? Now, let's troubleshoot this a little further. Let's say you take the puppy out, and you're doing one-hour intervals, again, and this is just, just an example. It doesn't have to be one hour. If you've got a lot of, you've got a young, young, young puppy who's just, like, in the first few days or hours, you may want to narrow that down. If you've got a puppy who's having a lot of accidents, you may want to narrow that down also. And you can narrow it down to like whatever time you feel necessary. 
You can take the puppy out every 45 minutes, as I said, or every 30 minutes. You can take the puppy out every 15 minutes at first. That's fine. It doesn't really need to be 15 minutes, but you get my point. Just find a timetable and stick to it. But you need to be mindful of whatever timetable you've set. So again, in the example, if you're taking him out every hour on the hour, you need to set a timer somewhere on your phone. You need to get that phone to remind you time to take that puppy out. You can't be absent-minded about this. This is work. This is training. If you want to do it right, you've got. if you want your puppy to do it right, you've got to get it right first. So you've got to get your puppy out at whatever times you've designated. Okay? So let's just troubleshoot this a little further. And let's just say, for example, you take the puppy out and you're taking him out every hour on the hour and he has not done anything for the past two or three times or maybe four times you've taken him out. No peeing, no pooing, nothing. Okay, so what do you do? If you're not having accidents in the house, then okay, you may not necessarily need to put him in the crate, but again, you don't want to give him that overall freedom. Listen, so I don't have to repeat this 20 times. No overall freedom at all, meaning by overall freedom, you don't open the floodgates and allow the dog to go everywhere around the house. Just don't do that. Don't. Until your dog is fully 100% housebroken, okay? So narrow down his world. Maybe you keep him in the kitchen or the living room, but you've got something, something blocking, maybe a baby gate of some sort or a series of baby gates where the dog can't go out into another room. Or you have your puppy tethered to you in some way so that the dog can't go somewhere else. Have it so that the dog cannot go behind the couch while you're busy watching Friends. I don't know why anyone would watch Friends, but I hear a lot of people like it. So the point is, just don't let that dog out of your line of vision. Make sure that you can see him. And if your dog is going out and he's not having accidents, you keep him confined. And instead of taking him out every hour, like you've taken out two times, for example, right? Troubleshooting this. And he hasn't done anything. So that's a period of two hours, depending on the dog's age how many months the puppy is, you may want to determine and decide, you know, it's a choice that you've got to make. You may want to decide, I don't, I think you've got to go any second now and it's just going to come out. So again, confine their world and instead of taking them out every hour, start taking them out every 30 minutes or every 15 minutes, every 15 minutes, same protocol, same protocol until the dog does it. Okay. Or if you're going out for an extended period of time and your dog's not doing it and you really, really sense that your dog needs to pee badly, start crating him in between those those uh, drills. And wait for him. Wait for, let, let him be crated for some time. Let him be crated for like 15, 30 minutes and then take him out again immediately. If you do this right and if you do this consistently, your dog should be housebroken within... I'd say a week and a half tops, tops, maybe even considerably sooner, depending on how well you're doing at this and how how smart your dog is. <laughs> uh, so here are a few rules of thumb, a few rules of thumb that you want to be mindful of. The younger the puppy, the less bladder control that puppy is going to have. Okay, the more excited the puppy the more inclined he or she is to have accidents around the house. So if you have a puppy who gets very easily stimulated, 
there's a good chance that puppy is going to try and pee or poo more than others. So as a rule, anytime the dog, these are the times that you want to take the dog out. Anytime the dog eats, whether it's a few treats or his one of his regular meals, he's probably eating three times a day if he's a puppy, take him out. Every time he drinks some water or quite a bit of water, doesn't matter if it's morning or breakfast or you know dinner it, while he's in between in between all of that stuff you know after play you take him out after waking up you take him out before going to bed you take him out when he does any kind of strenuous activity you take him out any playing activity you take him out okay so you don't let your dog just you know not know when he's going to be going out yes though all of those things may happen in between your one hour interval example that we're talking about here but it doesn't matter you don't need to be a stickler with that with that hour your dog woke up he needs to go out your dog drank a lot of water he needs to go out your dog just played a little tug with you or played with who knows a kong he needs to go out doesn't matter if your hours up or not okay so take him out so follow these these steps and you should have a housebroken dog um, it, it's never failed with anyone and and if it fails in some sense in some way you've got to troubleshoot this so the last thing that I'm going to tell you is just came to mind is if your dog has an accident and your dog will have an accident by the way, if you are successful in this and you are taking your dog out for a week and your dog is doing his or her business outdoors and you are giving them the cue and the reward and you are utilizing the crate, do not get overconfident and start feeling, my dog knows, he's housebroken. I get this often. Everything goes well for quite some time. Then they kind of get a little lax with the routine and or the crate they go back to their old old ways of doing things they may get a little lazy and the dog starts to have accidents in the house and then people get frustrated no he knows he knows that he shouldn't be doing it in here well no it was a week it was a successful week but that doesn't necessarily mean that the dog really knows just yet he may just not be so conditioned as you think to really fully understand I get it. I go outdoors and not in here and I go in that one spot. So give it some time. Continue. Stick with it until you're really fully confident. And if you do have an accident, first off, don't get ticked off at the dog in a way that is going to show and demonstrate to the dog that you are, uh, that it's a negative thing for him to do his business inside. Don't think that your dog understands that he shouldn't be doing his business inside i can practically guarantee you if your dog is doing his business inside he does not understand it is not a question of understanding also and i've got to clarify this as as funny as it is to some of you do not think that your dog is doing it out of spite out of malice don't think your dog is angry because you're putting him in the crate and that's why he's peeing in the living room dogs don't think like that they just don't operate that way okay so that's forget about that don't punish your dog because he had an accident because he's pooed 
I have run across people who have taken their dog and smeared their nose into their own poop. Don't do that. Do I have to tell you how foolish, ridiculous, and abusive that is? Just don't do that. That's not going to aid you and help you in any way. That's not going to smarten and enlighten your dog. It isn't. It isn't going to speed up the process. Believe me. So don't do it. All right. So that's a lot of don'ts. Keep those in mind and then move forward with the plan and find a way to troubleshoot it. Each time something goes wrong, there's a reason for it. And it's not a humanized reason. In other words, don't think of the dog in human terms like I just said. There's something along the line. Something is going wrong, and I can guarantee you something is going wrong with you, with your approach, with your system. You're not taking the dog out frequently enough. You're not confining the dog enough. You're not using the crate. You're giving the dog too much freedom. You're not making it clear where the dog is supposed to go. There is something amiss with your protocol that is not getting the message through to the dog clearly. Because if you do so clearly and you do this consistently, there's just no way where your dog is not going to be housebroken. The only other reason why you can follow this diligently and still continue to have accidents in the house, provided that you have done everything excellently well, is maybe your dog is dealing with some kind of severe anxiety or fear issues. And you're talking about a whole different issue altogether. But at that stage, if you are completely confident that he should be housebroken and you've done everything right, then you may want to start seeking a little medical attention and have your dog checked out. Okay, But I hope that this helps. I know it helps. You put it to work and it will it will help. It will work. Okay, So all the best to all of you. Listen, again, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, um, It's Armando Morales. A-R-M-A-N-D-O-M-O-R-A-L-E-S. I've had quite a few of you hit me up, send me a DM and tell me, hey, I'm listening to your podcast. Great stuff. I really like that. I appreciate it. Put a smile on my face. Makes my day. So do that. I like to hear from you. I like to know who's out there listening. So don't be shy. Just shoot me a DM. Say, hey, I was just listening to your episode. It's great stuff. Thank you. And if you think it sucks, don't leave me a DM, okay? I don't want to hear it. But all the best to you. Have a great time with your dog. Go out there, be a leader, set the example, and all the best. Take care. This has been Don't Throw Out the Dog. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast to be the first to hear new episodes jam-packed with actionable tips and tricks. Small changes you can make that will make an everlasting difference in the life of your dog and your relationship with it. For more exclusive content, follow Armando on Instagram at ArmandoMorales77.